Welcome to the Excellence in Education podcast by William Clarence Education, the UK's leading education consultancy. We help families from around the world navigate the UK education system and support the best possible applications for nurseries, schools and universities. In this podcast series, we will be talking to leading educational figures and advisors to discuss the issues that matter most, helping you fully understand the options and possibilities that may lie ahead. For more information on anything discussed today, and to find out more on how we can help you, please visit our website, williamclarence.com. So, welcome everyone to this afternoon's Excellence in Education podcast, um, hosted by myself, Steve Spriggs, at William Clarence Education. Uh, today, I'm sitting down with our Head of School and University Admissions, Diana Morant, to discuss UK boarding schools. Good afternoon, Diana. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I know it's a very busy period of time, um, but it's invaluable for all of our listeners to get um, an overview of the UK system. Uh, so to start off with, I'd really like to hand over to you for two minutes, um, if possible, to give us an overview, um, things to consider about the UK education system, and main entry points into the boarding system, and then we can expand from there. Okay, thanks very much. Um, I think if we're just looking at the boarding system, the main entry points are either at age eight or at age 11 or 13, and then possibly at 16. Um, entry at age eight is unusual now. Boarding at such a young age is not nearly as popular anymore for maybe obvious reasons, um, but there are still boarding prep schools there. They start usually at eight, end usually at 13. There is entry at any time, and, and many boarders start a little bit later on, so at ages 10 or 11. Um, and that's not a problem. They're usually open to accepting boarders at any stage, except for the possibly the last year. So you would need to come before the last two years of prep yeah. school. So, Diana, could you spend a moment and go through the various different types of boarding that is open to, to families domestically and internationally at the moment in the UK? Yeah, certainly. Um, so traditionally, full boarding, um, where pupils probably are in school for three weeks at a time, maybe then have a weekend or a long weekend at home, another three weeks, half term, and a similar arrangement. Full boarding, much less popular than it used to be, um, but it is still for international families who are based overseas, um, the obvious solution. Uh, they're not able to, to be here to see their children every weekend. Um, I think it gives, for the right child, it gives them a huge amount of independence and resilience. Um, it gives them access to an awful lot of new cultures, um, new friends, and an awful lot of other opportunities. Um, for, for families based in the UK, weekly boarding has become far more popular for, I suppose, obvious reasons. Families then together again on a Saturday evening and Sunday, children go back to school probably Monday morning. Um, I think for a lot of families, very busy families with careers and lives, weekly boarding works really well. It does give those pupils the same sort of independence and resilience that other boarders have. It gives them access to all those extras that they don't need to be ferried around for by their mum, their dad or a helper. Um, they can do them all at school, so they have access to all those things. 
and then they are at home for some family time, you know, at the weekends. Um, the other nowadays, flexi boarding, also very, very popular, especially with, with younger children now in prep schools, an awful lot of flexi boarding can choose one, two, maybe three nights a week to board. And again, for busy families, that is very useful. For younger children, it's a very good bridge to senior boarding. It gives them a little bit of experience of boarding in a very sort of cosy uh, way. You know, they have their bed on a Wednesday night at school and have great fun with their friends. And it's all a bit of a kind of pajama party sleepover. But it does get them into, you know, used to being away from home for a night or two and is really helpful to some families. I understand. Have you seen a trend in that change from, um, you know, parents being more keen on boarding as they children get older rather than the younger guys at sort of the eight and eleven? Yes, I mean, there's there's far less boarding now at the in the younger years. Um, there is still a move, I think, for UK families uh, boarding from London at maybe at the age of ten or eleven. Um, if children maybe find London day schools too confining, not enough outdoor space, maybe just want, you know, more extracurricular activities, that, you know, that you do see children moving out to board from those sorts of ages. Um, But I'd say the main entry points for boarding in this country are 11 or 13 now. Great, thanks. That's a really important point, I think, because um, it leads us nicely onto the benefits of boarding. What a family can expect um, when you read around boarding as a product and a style of education in the UK, why is it so attractive to international families? And what do you um, gain from that experience away from just the classroom academics? Um, I think for uh, international families, slightly depends where they're coming from. If they're sending children from overseas to a UK boarding school and they're not resident in, in this country, then they're obviously going to be looking for a full boarding school. Um, And the advantages of that are, yes, the standard of academics, but a whole lot more than that. So their children will be exposed to a completely, well, not completely different, but a different way of life. Um, And, you know, an international set of friends, which also benefits the UK pupils and a whole huge range of extracurricular activities which is what the UK boarding schools pride themselves on so it's not just the classroom it's every form of sport drama music design art you name it you know that the facilities and uh, the, the sort of subjects on offer are a really broad range and for a lot of international pupils they those aren't things that they've had an awful awful lot of experience of or may not have been exposed to. I think, obviously, we can speak about this uh, for hours and have done in the past, but I think it's important to outline the key drivers, I guess, for international families moving to the UK. Um, The softer things around a boarding education, not just what a website will tell you, um, because it can be a minefield on... Um, the different elements of boarding life. We hear that buzz term of boarding life. Could you explain a little bit more about what that is? Um, the housing systems, for instance, and um, different clubs, excursions, that type of thing. Sure. So um, most senior boarding schools um, 
are quite large. I mean, 300 would be a very, very small boarding school, so probably 500 pupils upwards. And they tend to be divided into boarding houses, so a physical boarding house. Those usually contain pupils from every year group. Some of the schools, especially in the first year, will just put pupils from that first year in the one boarding house and then move them out. But the model is to have all the different year groups to encourage integration between year groups, to encourage sort of responsibility, older pupils, mentoring younger pupils. It's very much part of the ethos of it, of sort of a British boarding school. Um, so that's probably the most important thing. The boarding house, you know, it is, it's a pupil's home. So they have house parents, um, they have tutors, they have pastoral staff attached to the boarding house. And the standard now of pastoral care in boarding schools is really, really high. You know, the sort of horror stories from 100 years ago and no more. And, um, you know, the, 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 the training and for sort of mental health and all sorts of pastoral issues is, is very high. And I think the staff are continually being sort of trained and updated on that. Yeah, um, really important point, isn't it? Because I think... Um anyone sending their children across the world to a new environment, especially at the younger ages, um, away from the academic support, I think the pastoral care um, safety nets to make sure, you know, the inevitable homesickness is dealt with, um, all of those extra things are a real value add that schools really do need to showcase at the moment. No, definitely. And, you know, I think they do it extremely well now um, in terms of parental access um, obviously, house staff and things and tutors are available on email or by the phone. But there's there's always um, uh, um, portal access now for parents. You can usually see online how your child is doing in any given subject, um, if there's any concerns. And that tends to be on a weekly basis. So, you know, access is far greater these days than it used to be. The other thing is that for, you know, if it's an international family that is maybe based in the UK or based in the UK some of the time, they may not be looking at full boarding. They may be looking at weekly boarding. And then again, you know, they're there at the weekends. There is that contact with staff on a regular basis. Great. And what would you say that the top two or three things a family should consider when they're looking at boarding schools, so when they're relocating, or maybe they're not relocating, they're sending their children. So um, the logistics of actually finding a school, guardians, visas, um, picking locations, um, all of this is a quite a stressful decision-making process for a lot of families. Um, how do you try and help? I think the most important thing is meeting the family, meeting the pupil, meeting the child, um, and... Yes, there's the famous name schools that we all know, but they are not right for everybody. So it's very much for us about what is what are the right schools for that child. Um, yes, obviously working with parental expectations, but making sure that it's, you know, that it is the right fit. So we would longlist schools, assess a child, and then shortlist schools, and then say to parents, go and see schools, get a good feel for a school if you can. You know, they like to meet you. They like to meet potential pupils and families. And then, you know, we'll finalise from there. But it is really important to go and see schools. 
um, if, yeah. if you can. Not all families can, but if at all possible, it's really crucial because that's how you get a really good feel for a school. And how does it work with a school that may not be 100% boarding? Um, how does it work if, say, half the pupil body are there during the days but aren't there at weekends? Um, what's in place to make sure that you haven't got a, a huge school with 100 people rattling around? I think it's it's difficult these days because a lot of schools are not full boarding anymore. A lot of schools, boarding schools, uh, you know, substantial amount of pupils do go home they maybe go home on a Saturday after they have lessons typically in the morning sport in the afternoon and then they go home so if you're not going to be able to do that um, if you don't live in the country or if you live a long way away I would think very carefully about a school where you know the predominant number of the pupils are going home because you don't want to be one of a very few um, having said that, a lot of the senior boarding schools cater very well for boarders at the weekends. Um, they usually always have lessons, as I say, on a Saturday morning, sports fixtures in the afternoon, and there will be many things offered, activities, there'll be trips out to go and, you know, do all sorts of things. I don't know, shopping, cultural trips, things like that on a um, you know, fun, I don't know, laser quest or paintballing Excellent. or whatever on a Sunday, but actually, you know, many teenagers, particularly when they're working hard, older, they just want a bit of downtime. They just want to just be with their friends and and relax and not be told to go off on an activity. So I think the schools are good at organising things, but they also realise that the older the pupils get, the happier they are just having some some time to themselves. I think you mentioned a a really important point slightly um, uh, earlier on that um, it's not right for everyone or finding the right school is a very complex part of the journey because if you get it wrong um, or if you get it right it can be perfect you're living with your friends and you have such a great immersive experience but if you get it wrong it's probably less positive. Could you expand a little bit more on that about why some top branded schools aren't right for everyone? I think the schools are very, most of the schools are very selective now. So so the whole point of trying to do any form of pre-testing and things is to try and make sure that they are selecting the right pupils, pupils they feel will be a good fit for them. And I think that's a really good idea um, and should, you know, and is to be encouraged Um they may well feel they've got the right fit for them and it still may not work. But that it doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen often. Um, it can, of course, take pupils a bit of time to settle. Um, but I think, and as a parent, that's hard if you have an unsettled child at boarding school. But I think if you can get through the first, you know, a little bit of, of, of sort of teething problems or a little yes, bit of absolutely. angst, then usually... Um, things do work themselves out occasionally they don't and it hasn't been right for that people or maybe you realize that boarding is really not for them but I guess that comes back to the matching of the right school and getting the application process done yeah I I think it's very important to 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 sort of shortlist the right sorts of schools you know some children are not suited to great big schools. They'd be much happier in a smaller environment. They might be a big fish then in a small pond. They might be in a school that caters for them in terms of 
It might be a far wider academic offer. It might yeah. offer specialised subjects that others don't. Um, you know, the, it could be a school that's very, very strong, say, in music or, or whatever it is. Um, and those are all really important considerations. Great. Thanks, Donna. Um, are there any key questions that you would say to a parent that they should be asking the schools on open days or um, admission staff um, about life at that school that maybe um, coming from your experience that you know that they should be should be broaching? I would always say ask the staff questions, but almost more importantly, ask the pupils questions as well. And I would always have a question mark about a school where you never meet a pupil. Um, so you can ask, obviously, the head or the director of admissions or the house staff the questions, you know, relevant to them. So academic questions, results, where do your pupils go on to, what is your academic offer at sixth form, you know, do they offer IB or whatever it is. Um, and you can ask all the pastoral questions of a boarding house staff. But I think you can also ask pupils um, you know, to be honest and say, okay, you know, how many people are there here on a Saturday evening? Does everybody else go home? Or is there anything organised on Sundays for the boarders? Um, or what is it? So go prepared with some questions. Yeah, you know, the dining room looks really great. What is the food really like? And, you know, some schools traditionally, you know, the food on Sundays was really bad because most of the boarders weren't there. Just things like that. So, And I think... You know, that's it's absolutely fine to ask as many questions as possible. I would always say ask ask whatever you want to ask. It's a good thing to yeah, do. Great. Um, so I think that the benefits of a boarding education and a boarding school environment, a modern boarding school at the moment, are, are clear. Um, and I think the, the million pound question is, um, in your advice, what's the ultimate way of preparing? How do you get the perfect fit and what's the the roadmap looking like from wherever a family are beginning their research through to actually getting their place of where they need i think if you can start early and and not everybody can do that um but whatever stage you're thinking of of applying um start as early as you can so typically for entry at 13 which is probably the most typical entry age for UK boarding schools a lot of the UK boarding schools now pre-test two years in advance so you've got to have 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 put your in in your application two years in advance um there is some still late availability but if you can you need to be thinking at least three years in advance um because you will also need to prepare they're very competitive the exams the entrance exams are tough and a, an international family, uh, the pupils may be in an international school being taught a different curriculum, and they may not have covered everything they'll need for the entrance exams. So I would say at least two or three years of preparation are necessary. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time Diana that has really um, helped and I'm sure everyone's enjoyed listening to that um, more on the way but um, I'll let you get back to it for this afternoon thank you very much okay thanks very much thank you for listening that was the excellence in education podcast by William Clarence education for more information on how we can help you or your family or any of the points discussed today 
along with all the latest news and views on UK education, please head to the website at www.williamclarence.com.